Alright, hi everyone, I'm Tom, I'm a third year student doing uh, software engineering and electronic music. Uh, so we've been looking at uh, Jesus' miracles in Mark for the last few weeks, um, and so we're going to be continuing that. We're starting from uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 12 to 52. Uh, you can find it on your handout, it should be on the first page, well the cover page and then the page after that. Um, or you can read along on your own Bibles, uh, we're going to be reading the NIV 2011 version. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, he's Elijah. And still others claimed, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard of this, he said, John whom I have beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had had him bound and put in prison. He did this because Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to, because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and the military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath. Whatever you ask, I will give you, up to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried in to the king with the request. I want you to give me, right now, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring back John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciple came and took his body and laid it in the tomb. The apostles, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five, and two fish. 
Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was five thousand. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in on the, into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Have you ever seen a ghost? There are two times in my life where I thought I saw one. The first time, it was a dark and stormy night. The rain was pelting down, the wind was howling. And me and my mates were in a boat trying to row our way across the Sea of Galilee. And then suddenly, out of the rain and the mist, we saw this figure walking towards us. Not walking around the sea, but walking on it, literally treading on the waves of the sea. We've been following Jesus for some time by that point, and people from all over Israel have been coming to hear him. We even went into some of the Gentile areas, and people there flocked to see him as well. There was an incredible movement going on around him. It was very exciting. But now we were heading back to his hometown of Nazareth. He preached in the synagogue there, and people were amazed at his wisdom and astonished at the reports of the miracles they heard. But there is kind of something about going back to your hometown, isn't there? You ought to be the hometown hero. But everyone kind of remembers you from when you were little. And it's hard to imagine that you are someone important or significant. The people there listened to Jesus, but they looked at him and said, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Aren't his brothers James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they said, he's nothing important, he's nothing that significant. After all that Jesus had done, it was astonishing. Certainly Jesus himself was astonished. In fact, he couldn't even do many miracles there. Not because he lost power or something, but because very few people came to him. Only a few who were desperately sick and just looking for anything. And he laid his hands on them and he healed them. But the others weren't willing to listen. So we left Nazareth and we headed out to the other towns and villages of Galilee. Jesus uh, took the twelve of us and he commissioned us. 
He sent us out amongst the other towns of Galilee, just in pairs, to go and preach the good news of the kingdom, to go and heal people, to uh, cast out unclean spirits. And so we went around preaching, teaching, healing, doing all sorts of miracles in his name. It must be hard for you to understand just how big a stir Jesus was causing. All over Israel, people heard about him and they were asking the question, who is this man? Some of them thought that he must be a prophet, like one of the prophets of old, like Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. Others remembered the promise that God had made through the prophet Malachi, that he would send the great prophet Elijah before the day of the Lord, who would preach repentance and turn people's hearts back to the Lord. Others, like King Herod, thought that he must be John the Baptist back from the dead. I guess in Herod's case it was a guilty conscience. You see, Herod had had John executed. John had been uh, John had been teaching against Herod. You may not know much about Herod the Great, but really uh, what you need to know about this Herod was that he was an incestuous egomaniac. He had an affair with his brother's wife. In fact, he'd gone as far as to convince Herodias to divorce his brother Philip so she could marry him. Everyone else just sort of mumbled about it, but John wouldn't let it go. He kept preaching that this was adultery. Herod was a little bit nervous of John, but he wasn't too bothered by what he was saying. But Herodias, she was very upset. I guess no queen likes to be told that she's an adulterer. And so she persuaded Herod to have John arrested and thrown into prison. But worse than that, she persuaded her daughter Salome to go and dance before Herod at a banquet. Herod was drunk and impressed and wanting to show off to his mates. And so he promised her anything she wanted up to half his kingdom. She went out and asked her mother what she should ask for, and she told her to ask for the head of John the Baptist. And so she did. Herod was upset because he kind of liked listening to John, but he didn't want to lose face in front of his banquet guests. So he sent off the executioner, and he brought back the head of John the Baptist on a platter right into the middle of the banquet. What a family. I would not like to be them on the day of judgment. But I'm getting sidetracked uh, all over the place. People were asking about Jesus. Who is he? People kept coming from all over the place. The crowds just kept coming. And the 12 of us had just got back together with Jesus after our preaching tour of Galilee. And the incredible thing is that after he'd sent us out, it had actually worked. We preached the gospel and people had repented. We laid hands on people and anointed them with oil and they were healed. We cast out unclean spirits. And we came back and we were so excited. We were talking to Jesus about all the things that we'd been able to do in his name. And all the time, more and more people kept coming from all over Israel, constantly coming and going, asking to see Jesus. Asking, my sister, she's sick. Could you come and heal her? 
There's a man in our village. He has an unclean spirit and no one's able to do anything. Could, could you help? Please, sir, we'd like to see Jesus. It was just constant. All these people, we, we didn't even have time to eat. We were exhausted. Jesus didn't say that. And so he got the 12 of us into a boat and together with him, we set off for the other side of Lake Galilee. But even as we pulled away from the shore, we saw people starting to run around the lake. When we got across to the other side, people were already there, already scattered across the hillside. And as we got out of the boat and pulled it up onto the shore, I looked up at all these people and I groaned. I just wanted some rest. I just wanted a place to lie down and have a bit of a sleep. Jesus was exhausted too, but when he looked up at them, he had that kind of look on his face again, like his heart was breaking. And he turned to us and he said, look at them. They're harassed and helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd, just longing for someone to feed them with God's word. My friends, this is why I've come. And so he went up onto the hillside and the crowds gathered around and he began to teach them. And they were heading off every word, eating it up. They kept listening and it started to get late. The sun started sinking below the horizon and we hungry and we said, Teacher, we're in the middle of nowhere and it's getting late. These, these people need some food. You need to send them home so they can go and get their dinner. And he smiled and he said, You give them something to eat. We laughed. Six months' wages wouldn't have bought enough food for all these people to have even a mouthful. So he said, well, how much food do you have? We managed to find one boy who had five small loaves of barley and a couple of fish. And that was probably enough for him for a meal or for his family for a snack. But that was it. Everyone else had just run from their homes to hear Jesus. They hadn't thought about packing dinner. So we brought the loaves and the fish to Jesus and he looked at them and he took them in his hands and he looked up to heaven and he thanked God for blessing us so abundantly. And then he broke up the bread and the fish and he gave it to us to distribute. And to this day, I don't really understand what happened. But as we walked around handing it out, it didn't matter how much we gave out, there always seemed to be more to give. So we walked around, handing it out to these different groups of people. We counted them as we went. And there were over 5,000 men there, plus women and children. It's an extraordinary thing. When they all finished eating, they all eaten as much as they wanted. We gathered it all back up again and there were 12 basketfuls. We ended up with more leftovers than what we'd started with. We were talking to each other about this. What's going on? This is incredible. Jesus could see us and he bundled the 12 of us up and put us back in a boat and sent us off away from the shore. And as we rowed towards the middle of the lake, we saw him walking up the hillside alone to pray. It was that night that we saw the ghost. A storm had come up on Lake Galilee. 
and we were trying to get across to the other side, but we were making no progress against the wind. And then we saw this figure coming towards us out of the rain and the wind, walking on the waves of the sea. It looked like he was about to pass us by and we cried out with fear. And then it stopped and it turned and it looked right at us and said, Don't be afraid. I am. Have courage. And Jesus stepped into the boat. And immediately the wind died down and the waves stopped. We were astonished. We just looked at each other. Jaws hanging over. None of us knew what to say, but all of us knew what each other were thinking. Who is this man? Who is this man who can say a single word and demons stop? Demons cry out in terror. Who's this man who heals people simply when they touch his robe? This man who raises people from the dead. This man who can feed thousands and thousands of people with just five loaves and a couple of fish. This man who just strolls across the lake in the middle of a storm, like a farmer walking through his path. Who is this man? Let me tell you about the only other time I thought I saw a ghost. It was just after I'd failed Jesus. He'd been arrested in the early hours of the morning, and although I was terrified, I followed behind the arrest party until they took him to the chief priests for a trial. As I stood in the courtyard, I saw them questioning him. Others came to me and they questioned me, asked me, if I'd known Jesus, said, surely you've been with him. You're one of his disciples, aren't you? And to my shame, I was so terrified that I denied it. I said I'd never known him. And then the rooster croaked, just like he said it would. And he turned, and he looked right at me. And I ran. I ran all the way back to my friend John's house and I fell down on the floor of his room and I wept and I wept. It was the worst day of my life, weeping on my friend's floor as my best friend was crucified, nailed to a cross. But then three days later, Mary burst into the room and she said, they've stolen his body. John and I got up and we ran to the tomb. We got there and went inside and sure enough she was right, the body was gone. So we left. We went back home more puzzled and upset and disappointed than we'd ever. Later that day, we were upstairs in a room, hiding out from fear of the chief priests. Mary and the women came and they said that They'd seen Jesus alive again. Just as we were talking to each other about that, wondering what was going on and what had happened to these women, suddenly Jesus appeared in the middle of us. We cried out in terror. 
We thought that it was his ghost come back to haunt us for abandoning him. But then he said, Don't be afraid. What are you worried about? Come and have a look at me. It's me, myself. Look, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Come and touch my hands and my feet. Touch my side. We sat there in shock. And then he said, Have you got any fish? Philip handed him a bit of fish that we roasted earlier and he put it in his mouth and we were waiting for it to drop through him. But no, he just chewed it up. He looked like he quite enjoyed it. And suddenly we ran to him and we grabbed him and we, we touched his hands and his feet and his side where the spear had gone in and he was no ghost. He was as real as you and me. And then he said to us, your hearts were hard, weren't you? Weren't they? And he opened our eyes to understand everything that the scripture said about it. He said to us, do you remember that time when we were up on the hillside by Lake Galilee with all those thousands of people out on the green grass where I made them lie down and I fed them? You didn't understand, did you? <laughs> Your hearts were hard. You should have remembered what David had said about the Lord in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Don't you see who I am? And if your hearts hadn't been so hard, you would have remembered what the Lord had said through the prophet Ezekiel. How he said to him, I myself will pasture my people. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down. Don't you see who I am? And do you remember how I walked across the water to you that night in the storm? How you were terrified? You didn't remember what Job had said, did you? That the Lord alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Don't you see who I am? And when I was about to uh, pass you by, did that confuse you? I quite like that one. Don't you remember what God did with Moses when Moses asked him to show him his glory? How he hid him in the cleft of a rock and he passed by him? Or how he did the same thing with the prophet Elijah in the day of Elijah when Elijah thought he was the only one left and the Lord hid him in the cleft of a rock and he passed by him. Can you see who I am? And when I stopped and I turned and I looked at you, after you cried out in terror, and I said, Take courage, I am. 
Did you remember what God, the Creator, had said to Moses when Moses asked him what his name was? I am who I am. Don't you see who I am? And after speaking to us, he disappeared. We sat there, stunned, until finally John looked up at me and said, Peter, he's not a ghost. He's God. And suddenly everything fell into place. Suddenly it all made sense. Jesus had been doing things that God himself said he would do. He was doing things that only God himself could do. Jesus was showing us that he was God. He is God. It just seems also obvious in hindsight, but we hadn't seen it at the time. He was right. Our hearts were hard. We didn't understand. But when we did, suddenly everything changed. We were tired. We were hungry. We were afraid. But Jesus, he shepherded us. Well, what about you? What are you tired of? What are you hungry for? What are you afraid of? Are you tired of always having to be the best that you can be? Tired of having to impress your family? Impress your friends, impress your lecturers, impress your employers. Tired of trying to impress God. Well, friends, come to Jesus because He is the shepherd who cares for us, who gives us rest, who makes us lie down in green pastures. He knows that we can't impress Him. In fact, the whole reason He came. To die for our sin was because we couldn't be pressed. Jesus gives us rest from having to impress God, from having to impress others. What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for meaning and significance? For forgiveness? For real relationship? Are you tired of having to try and generate meaning for yourself, tired of the emptiness of life. Well, friends, you can try and fill yourself up. You can try and satisfy your longings with many things. But they will, in the end, always leave you empty. You will wolf them down, but with no benefit. And you'll only leave the carcasses of those you've used and abused in your futile quest for some kind of transcendence, some kind of significance, some kind of meaning. But Jesus, he offers us real real significance. He offers us forgiveness and real relationship with God. You want to know what life is about? That's what it's about. It's about knowing God about delighting in the creator of the universe, the one who loves us and gave his son for us, the one who gives us real meaning and significance, a worthwhile job to do. All the other things that you do will just pass away. But as you hold out the gospel 
as you tell people of what Jesus has done, of who he is, well, that has lasting benefit. That has eternal benefit. Because those who hear and believe, they become Jesus' sheep too. They're welcomed into eternal life. There simply is no more significant job than that. There's real meaning, real significance in life. And Jesus is the one who brings us. Brings us. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid that if you follow Jesus, people will persecute you, that they'll make fun of you, that they'll laugh at you? Oh, they will. They will. They did it to me. People scoffed at me, they mocked me. They even killed me for following Jesus. But we don't need to be afraid. After all, they're not God, but Jesus. And he looks after us. My friends, my brothers and sisters, there are many things that you could try to make your life about. Many things that you could look to in an attempt for meaning and significance, for safety and security. But in the end, they're all ghosts. You try to grab hold of them and they just disappear. They evaporate. They slip through your fingers. But Jesus is no ghost. He's God. So grab hold of him. 